Hey, Robert. Hey, this is Rob O'Neill. What's up, man? Nothing, man. Day of traveling. Got a couple minutes of downtime. What are you up to? Uh, actually, I was just uh, ripping my five-year-old's baby tooth out of his mouth, and he was smiling about it, so I was happy. And uh, Ripping his what? His baby tooth. Like, he's five years old, man. His oh, tooth fell out. Oh, wow. Good yeah, for yeah, him. Right? His, uh, hey, if you want to... If you want to get rid of the teeth, just have them start playing hockey. Yeah, you. you know what, man? We're 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 a boxing and MMA type family, but his armbar skills are there, though. His armbar skills. Oh, that's are good. There. That's good. That's good. Why, why why do you need to worry about a tooth when you can break someone's arm? I hey, like it. Man, he was happy about it. So, listen, man, I'm I'm happy. Hey, I, hey, just cool. one thing as it relates to listen. I, I obviously, you know, man, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I just want to. As it relates to like to like seal training, because you know I do like an MMA podcast. Like that's kind of my thing. Yes. But, you guys do a lot of that type of stuff. I, I've, I've definitely interacted with a lot of SEALs over my military career, and every time I'm in the gym next to them, I feel like they're hitting the bag, they're, they're, they're practicing their jiu-jitsu. You know, I've, I've talked to Jocko a, a couple times about his jiu-jitsu training in the SEALs. Is there a lot of that, like, in group as well? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty common. Uh, just um, a lot of guys love to do the MMA stuff. Um, obviously, like, uh, we tie stuff great for cardio, so it's jiu-jitsu. And then as far as, like, um, prisoner handling type Mm-hmm. We, you know, started off with certain things and then um, it kind of went based off of Jiu-Jitsu guys teaching us better ways to go one-on-one with someone. And they kind of adapted it to body armor. Um, some guys get, like, completely, completely involved. You get, like, uh, like Jocko, obviously, and then uh, Echo Charles. Mitch Aguilar was an MMA fighter. Yeah. And um, guys just kind of say, well, around. I know, I know guys that are just kick-ass on the ground, kick-ass standing up and yeah, it's a big part of it. That's funny. Let me. I don't. I don't. I don't want you to say too much because I'm, I'm sure most of it you, you can't say. But now, is that something that you would like do on your own, or is that part of like the SEAL curriculum? It's a little bit of both. They would put it through some of our selection courses, and then when I was a SEAL Team Six, they would offer it pretty much every day. They'd bring guys in, and we, you know, we learned like uh, we were good at a lot of stuff. But we always try to train the best. Uh, or try try to pay the best instructors at everything from shooting, skydiving, driving to fighting. So um, we get we get it off. You know, a lot of guys just took personal interest in it and became just excellent at it. I, I wasn't one of those guys necessarily, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of the guys really get into it. I see that. Um, you know, I read your book, The Operator. Obviously, I read No Hero. I read No Easy Day. Um, yeah. Is there any plans for another book? Maybe a movie. I'd like to throw my well, hand, those, I'd like to throw my hand those, in the ring to uh, play those, you. Those, uh, those other two were not my books. Oh, I'm, that's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, the operator. I'm sorry. Um, I yeah. apologize, Robert. That's right. They were not your books. I apologize. Um, oh, no worries. Hey, he was there. Yeah, right. He was, and I mixed you two up, and now I feel like an idiot. Oh, good. <laughs> hey, but, he's, hey, he's a good-looking dude, so I don't mind. Right. <laughs> and so am I. That's why I'm offering my uh, my services See? to play you. There we go. <laughs> Is there anything else on the horizon this year, like 2019? Like, what's it look like for Robert O'Neill, man? Like, what are you gonna? Yeah, I'm looking at I'm looking at collaborating with Dakota Meyer on a few things. He's a awesome. honor recipient. Yep, no, and no, he, no. He, he and he and I he and I have become really close because uh, we have a lot in common as far as uh, dudes kind of out of nowhere that were thrust into the spotlight just because we did a uh, you know a job based on our friends and kind of like what next type shit. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Hey, I'm sorry. I just got one of my. I'm, I'm sitting here with my my other podcast buddy, who's uh, obviously yeah. we're both military guys. He wanted to ask you one thing. Cool. Yeah. Sure. Hey, I'm sure you got this question a bunch of times, and uh, obviously I know there's some things you can't say and some things you can say about it. But the question I've always wondered is: at what point in time 
did it hit you that you were about to do the mission of all missions? You know? Well, we they, they, they told us about three weeks before. Right, but I know, like, during the train-up and everything like that, and, um... Um, well, I mean, it was, you know, we were training for it, we realized that it was an honor to be picked for that team. Right. And, um, we knew what we were doing, and we weren't sure exactly the resistance, but it kind of hit me, um, about ten minutes out, you know, when you get to ten, ten minutes, and we're right. flying in, and then we're over Pakistan, it's like, that's... And the way that it kind of occurred to me was like, holy shit, we were about to do some very serious Navy SEAL shit right now. <laughs> I mean, that's... And it was... It, like I said, it's like the mission of all missions. That's like the one thing that you enlist and you train up and you draw and you join and you do everything and you think about and you fantasize doing that one mission. Yeah. Well, I was in. I was in before nine eleven, but I knew who Bin Laden was. Right. And it was always it was always more of a um, let's train for contingencies, but we're never going to get it. Delta's going to get it. Right. Force Recon's going to get it. It's not going to be us. But then to be just it was such an honor, and then. It's almost like one of those things where you know you're gonna die, but like, well, shit, they asked me. I can't. I can't say no. I gotta go. So it's it's a you know it's it's a it's a, it's a win win lose lose. Um, this is what we all came for, and if I don't go, I'll hate myself on my deathbed sixty years from now. So we're we're doing it, guys. All of us. And I love the fact that you said like during it. Um, I was listening to one of your uh, one of your speeches, and uh, you were talking about the train up for it, and you were talking about everything that can go wrong, and you go mm-hmm. one of the youngest guys at the table goes well. Yeah. What if the helicopter crashed in the front yard? What if we crash? What if we crash right in the front yard in front of everybody? That's that's bad, right? We're like, yeah, like, yeah, man, why would you want? Yeah, yeah. Right, that is worst case scenario that could possibly happen. And yeah, and it was—I mean, it was—it was so cool when not cool, but just the way the realization of it doesn't matter how we got here, we're here, so let's move forward. Like worrying about what happened right now is not going to help, and even up to the point of Admiral McRaven, who was in charge of uh, Joint Special Operations Command, he realized that the people in the White House could see. The helicopter crashed, but the White House worrying right now is not going to help a thing. So he just came over the radio and said, we realize there's been a contingency, but it's okay, my guys are prepared. And he doesn't even know if uh, half of us were dead, but he just knew that the White House freaking out is not going to do a damn thing, so just tell him something. That's so awesome, especially the fact that you guys got to continue and go forward and drive out with the mission. Yeah, nobody got hurt. That's incredible. That's incredible, and, man. It definitely shows you the resiliency well, of your training when the fact well, that like something as catastrophic as that happens... And you kind of do one of those, like, shrug your shoulders, oh, well, nothing's going to change it, let's keep going. Well, yeah, and that's the thing that, I mean, you guys are seeing in combat, it's like, you know, if, if nothing's wrong, the only thing that's wrong is that nothing's wrong. And yeah. it's going to go sideways. It's going to go sideways, so just uh, take a deep breath, slow down, and um, trust the guy in front of you, trust the guy behind you. Exactly. Hey, Robert, I got. I just want to backtrack a little bit, man, and I, I, again, I, sure. I, I appreciate you doing this with me. Um, when you enlisted... Was it? Were you one of those guys who said to yourself, "Listen, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a SEAL," or was it something that you know you sort of enlisted in the Navy and kind of just decided to, fo- to, to to follow that? Path? I I had a buddy of mine that joined the Army mm-hmm. um, a few mm-hmm. years before I enlisted. <laughs> yep. And so he went in the Army and he wanted to be a Ranger, mm-hmm. and the um, and he was just a complete stud. And the recruiter told him, "Don't get it in writing. Just volunteer when you get there." So he, you know. He ended up doing four to five years in Korea, never went to ranger school. So he gave me the advice, um, whatever you do, get it in writing <laughs> and then give it a shot. So I made sure that I got uh, Navy SEAL in writing before I went. And that's before I really knew what Navy SEALs were, but I went in with a positive attitude. Had it in writing and um, got a shot at it and it worked out well. Hey, man, you grew up in Montana, right? Yeah, I did. That's that's awesome. It's one of my favorite places to visit. Now, did you grow up? It's like, a brilliant pleasure. Incredible, man. Did you uh, grow up like hunting and fishing and kind of yeah. out there? 
Yeah, all of that. My uh, my father and I hunted everywhere from Montana to Alaska. We killed everything from uh, mule deer, white-tailed deer, elk, uh, grizzly bears, Kodiaks, um, caribou. Um, and that was just, um, that was just, yeah, one of the things that grew up in it. You know, teaches you patience, teaches, teaches you about false ridge lines, which I, which helped me in Afghanistan just because yeah. the top of the hill looks like it's a hundred paces away. It's not. That's just one of them. Thousand paces away. Thousand paces away. Uh, and just, yeah. So, you know, it, it helped out a lot. It helped me with my shooting. I learned how to, I learned how to get dope on a gun, uh, how to judge wind, how to zero a gun and realize, you know, a bullet flies the same way a football flies. So when you might be, you're going to be dead on a 25 and then dead on a 300, the ball, the ball and the, the bullet are going to drop. So adjust. Um, good, you know, stuff. And then just, I just being out in nature. It's just nice to get out there. No, I agree. And I think that was the one thing that, like, I was behind the eight ball when I got in 100 years ago, too, is, like, because I grew up in the city. I never touched a weapon. Uh, I felt like some of those country guys were, country boys were well ahead of me, you know, as far as shooting goes. And just, I don't know, just the, the general tasks that you're out there in the field, things that you got to do, you know, building a tent, building a hooch, you know. So I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, one other thing, just, uh, you know, something that I've I've wanted to to ask you since since you know may 2nd 2011 um you know now that you know most of the world knows who you are man um and you've worked in relative anonymity you know your entire seal career what what is your life like now man what is your life now like since you're people know you as the guy um who cut it's, the head it's, you know it's it's been surprisingly positive um i'm aware of the potential threat but it's, I think it's better to be aware that people know who you are than stick your head in the sand and think they don't. Right. Um, my, my training and everything from, from weapons training tactics to counter surveillance, which helps. Um, just, it's, it's an everyday thing. You know, I've got security stuff in place and that's, I'm like, I'm not going to get into the tactics, but you know, people around me, obviously cameras, dogs and yep. guns. Um, and just, uh, yeah, but I mean, it's been positive. I've had, uh, I've had people in public speeches come up to me and tell me that, um, they're a Muslim American and they couldn't be prouder of me. And so, it, 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 you know, it's like, okay, everybody hates each other on Twitter and Instagram, but when you get out in the world, you realize this guy's not caving in and 99% of us are good people that are all on the same team. I guess the last thing I'm going to ask you is, um, you know, I was listening to something the other day where, you know, the world's special operations forces, um, you know, specifically the Army's Green Berets are like 50% strength right now. Um, I don't know if that's the same way in, in, in the SEAL teams, but... You know, my son, for instance, is 14 years old. His life goal is to be a SEAL. Um, what advice cool. would you give to a young kid who wants to be the next, you know, Robert O'Neill? Uh, do more pull-ups. <laughs> and the realization that, you know, the, the KISS acronym, keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. The way to get better at pull-ups is to do more pull-ups. It's uh, slow, smooth, smooth as fast. It's okay to be high speed, but if you want to speed up, slow down. And um, don't take uh, don't take cold showers. There are certain things you just don't get used to. <laughs> just embrace the suck when it happens. If you want to be a Navy SEAL, make your bed, um, do a pull-up, and take hot showers. That's it. <laughs> and uh, as real quick, you know, every time you say something, it makes me think of something else, and I, I hate to do this to you, but sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. As it relates to Bud's training, like, what, 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 man, how did you? You know, I've I've read and read and read for years. Um, you know, how did you how did you stay motivated in Bud's man? You know, considering, you know, you got to avoid the negativity. That's very, very important. And um, people from your hometown are going to be jealous, so they're going to try to express their negativity to you until you can't do it. And as much as I stress, don't get negative. Think of the negative people that told you you can't do it. 
and that's your motivation for quitting. And when you feel like quitting, which you, you're going to feel like quitting, just don't quit now. Wait till tomorrow to quit. And then keep waiting till tomorrow. And then if, uh, if people ask me how I, how I got through buds, it's not because I went from, you know, I went from day one to, to um, week 26. It's because I made it through buds because I made it to breakfast. And then I made it through buds because I made it to lunch. And I made it to butt, through bus, and I made it to dinner, and then I got back in the same bed repeat. And just don't let emotions get with you. Don't listen to the loud mouth. Don't make any friends until we find until we because they're going to be gone. And um, <laughs> you're going to you know, you'll feel like you're alone because the, the loud mouth tough guy is going to quit. People have a tendency to get sympathetic with him and realize, well, he's he's so tough and so loud, he can't make it, and I can't make it. That's a bunch of shit. You can make it. Don't listen to him. Keep moving forward. You get an elephant one bite at a time. And uh, that was that a 2011 deployment, your last deployment? Um, let's see. No, I deployed 11, 12. So we did uh, the Bin Laden raid in May of 11, then I deployed one more time with Team 6 in, uh, I want to say late November until about March. So uh, 11, 12, and then I got out in, in, uh, in um, August of 2012. I didn't feel like, because I was in country in 11, 12 as well after the raid, and I don't know what your feeling is. I'd love to hear it. I didn't think much was different. Uh, amongst the villages in Afghanistan and sort of the regular, no. everyday common they, you know, there, there are villagers in Afghanistan that think uh, 9-11 was a reaction to our invasion of Afghanistan. Like, they don't really know what's going on in life. Yeah. And, uh, it, I mean, the development is great, honestly, because we took out a national mind. We got Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. We're going to get Zawahiri and Nelson Hanzer to learn how to tell the bunch of the top 10 guys. Um, but the Bin Laden raid was great simply because if, if you mess with the United States, we do have people that will come and find you. No we'll we'll do it. And that's, I mean, you know, we got the head of the state, we've got a lot of good intel, but there's a, it's not a war against a man, it's a war against the entire ideology, and it's not just the United States against uh, Al-Qaeda, it's the Western world and modern civilization against a, um, a, a very ancient ideology that needs to change. And, you know, we're not far from peace, we just got to stop cutting each other's heads off because we don't, they don't believe what we think that God thinks we should think, if that makes sense makes total sense in fact i've never heard anybody say it better and this is the last question for me and i just want to talk about something not bin laden related sure. um everybody knows the story of captain phillips the the mask yeah. hijacking um as much as you can tell me your feeling uh looking back on it now i mean that's one of the most insane stories man it's one of the most insane stories how they they rescued the captain and uh you know essentially shot the pirates on a moving ship in the middle of the ocean yeah, I mean, that's proof right there that uh, you plan all you want, but your plan's not going to happen. Um, um, you know, we, as a command, Seal Team 6 was designed to rescue hostages at sea, but, you know, like 1980. But um, it had never been done. So that's over 25 years. Never been done one time. And in that 25 years of training, you know, the men before me that had been the tactics that I was able to use in certain situations, I thought they thought of everything, but on the flight over, um, Nobody thought of a fully enclosed lifeboat being towed by a Navy cruiser with three pilots and an American hostage. And so we're literally going to every operator on each plane saying, come up with a plan, and we'll talk about it on the flight. And, you know, we came up with the five best plans. I thought my plan was great. We're getting ready to execute the mission. Our plan was not to kill the pirates, by the way, um, because they weren't terrorists. They're just opportunists. Mm-hmm. So we put, sni- we put snipers down to watch them as it's being towed by a cruiser and we're preparing to the rescue. And we just, they were security. And it's like, as... A security measure. If something unsafe happens, you guys are here. You got to take the shots. If something very unsafe happens, and they take the shot. And so there's a moving, two moving crafts on a sea at night. And this is this proof that preparation is better than planning because you got to figure these 
We've never done this. It was a three-day weekend. We got called on Good Friday, April 10th, which is my birthday. Those three snipers were in their own beds in Virginia Beach, and they're, we hadn't done 25 years. Their guns did not need to be sighted in for the most difficult shot they'll ever take in the history of Navy SEALs, but their guns were sighted in for the most difficult shots they'll ever take as Navy SEALs, simply because they were prepared to take shots. And that's, I mean, it was that simple. That's incredible. But, uh, but, but, it's, but it's also that awesome. I, I'm actually, I'm not jealous of those three snipers. I can't get along with them on the but I'm kind of like, hey, what the hell, why didn't I get those shots? Yeah, right? That's incredible, man. I never thought about yeah. it. The, obviously, you know, you're, you're talking like a guy who was there and in that life, man. Uh, I never thought about it that way. It, it's so it's so nuts now because I was I, mean, I was fortunate enough to be on, on some of the most high-profile missions. I was part of the coalition that rescued my friend uh, Marcus Luttrell, who's a lone survivor. I was, um, that. Yep. I was a, lead jumper, a lead jumper for the Cat Hills Raid. I was in the bedroom with Kilda Madden. I was on the base when Berg got walked off. Um, Where are you? Yeah, I was on the I was on the base that morning and then, or that evening. Sorry, it was morning for us and. Just, you know, uh, positive attitude, don't quit, right place, right time, hard work, you can you can get there. And just, I, I, you know, I, I just happened to, I had I actually had some green great buddies of mine, I run a foundation called Your Grateful Nation. Yep, yep. Uh, we, we transitioned um, special operators in the private sector. We, I got to get the number to you, I think it's like 89 this year, which is 89 families, uh, but private sector jobs, making a lot more money than they did. But I had a, a buddy of mine that I work with at Green Green that, because of the mission I was on, he's, it's kind of funny the way he said, you're kind of like the Forrest Gump of special warfare, only yeah. you're not as good-looking good and you can't run as fast. <laughs> hey, so, thank you, Army. Thank you, Army, for fucking with me. <laughs> Robert, man, listen, every time you say something, it, it peaks something else in me, man. I sure. know you're a busy guy. Uh, and uh, listen, uh, obviously, you know, you're on my Christmas card list now for this. Um with it, give me your feelings on Bergdahl, man. That's incredible. I didn't know you were on the base then. Um, what do you think yeah. about how that all, and with his father visiting the Rose Garden with, with President Obama and speaking Arabic and the release of terrorists to get him back? Um, my my feeling yeah, is from following was, you on Twitter is that you don't agree with this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, and, and I, don't, I don't blame uh, President Obama at all. Um, I blame the people around him because he was surrounded by people that wanted to tell him what he wanted to hear. And so the commander-in-chief at the time, President Obama, thought it would be a great message to get, uh, they were telling him that he was a, uh, you know, but he was a deserter. And I was at the point, and I was, um, when we finished the Bin Laden raid, I was actually over, right around January of 2012, with Field Team 6 in, um, one of, one of the FOVs, and we were semi-tapped to go into, to, to, um, uh, Kuwait, Pakistan to get Berg on. They brought one of Obama's people here to explain to us how he want, he, uh, was lost in the patrol and got captured. I had to correct her and say, "No, no, no! This guy walked off. This is bullshit." He that was the initial deserve. story. That in in that year that I was uh, I was overseas, I believe it was 0708, The story we yeah. were told um, is that he was last on a patrol. You know, he was lagging yeah. behind yeah. and got captured, and obviously nope. that was totally not. Dark. No, yeah. no, they were trying to get a PR victory. They gave away five senior talent commanders. Uh, Bo Bergo uh, mailed his stuff home, wrote letters to people, and walked off. Um, to start a new life in the mountains. And he was so ignorant that he thought that he would be welcomed with open arms. <laughs> I mean, I don't want a good graphic, but he got welcomed with something else open because yeah, of the more yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's why, even when people ask me if, if he could get prison time, I, I think he just needs a psychiatrist. He's, he's played his penance. Um, it's, he did not get, he did, he was not treated <laughs> humanely, but, you know, whatever. Um, they do what they do. This is the last one for me, I promise. You mentioned that you were part of Operation Red Wings, the, uh, well, I mean, you were part of the yeah. rescue anyway. 
Uh, obviously, yep. uh, you know, Marcus and, uh, and Matt Axelson and, um, and, um, uh, Michael Murphy, lots Murphy of and Danny Dietz. And Danny Dietz. Uh-huh. Did you know those guys, yeah. man? Did, were you yeah, talking I knew, those I guys? Knew, I knew most of them. I knew Dietz the most, and then I knew Dan Healy, yeah. who uh, died in a helicopter. Uh, yeah. He and I went to sniper school together. I love Sam, Sam Adams. He was a New England guy. Yeah. Uh, just a, just a hell of a great guy. And I actually, I saw them before they, I was one of the last guys to see them alive. And, uh, yeah, I remember it's a great group of dudes and a fucking lucky, lucky shot. Um, and it's not snipers. I know Marcus really well now. He's a, he's a great dude. He's got a, an awesome compound in Texas where people are having issues with, uh, any kind of PTSD or anxiety. They can go to his place. And I've been there. Oh, man, is it great? I've been there and I've shot on his little lake there with Marcus and a bunch of other dudes. And I can personally address yeah. that. Yeah, um, he is one of the greatest guy, and I'm, I'm nobody, you know. And he treated me like a like a brother, man. Oh yeah, he no, he, that's how he is. And Marcus is just, a, just a, a great guy, and just to survive what he survived. I mean, I've been to the Cornwall and the Sheridan Valleys and Cornwall Province a lot. Me too. Uh, but I was always with the, I was with the team, like you know, he was there by himself, and I think his pants were gone, yeah. and he was out of water, and it's like just the, the will to live. And you know, again, you know, everything with the lights going off, the lunch house, and Marcus surviving that, becoming stand. Yeah, I'm not a particularly religious guy, but someone's looking out for us. Definitely. Neither am I, but, I mean, how do you explain some of these things? Yeah. You, you, you know, may, may, maybe maybe we're not supposed to be able to. They'll just tell us later. <laughs> and let me, you said yeah. that you were part of the rescue, so were you part one of the chocks that, that didn't get shot no. down? Were you at the launch? N- no, we were, we were running a different outstation, and we saw the helicopter stuck off. And then the helicopter off, and the pilots were so shaken up, they landed just in the wrong place. So as they were running across town, they were running across town, the guy that survived, they were talking to me about, uh, I saw some of my friends, I can't mention their names, some of them are still active, how, uh, it wasn't an RPG, it was, uh, uh, missiles that were fired at him, uh, heat seeking, and one of them just missed death, too. Hit turbine three, three, missed three, four, and, um, I remember seeing guys saying, hey, there was a better place to store it, what do we do now, and we gotta go get, we gathered up, um, Rangers, Green Berets, Air Force guys, Marines, and had, we had to find a way to get to the top of the mountain, which is, you know, stealing trucks, getting mules, uh, or donkeys, whatever, and uh, putting water on them, and then going up the hill. And it was just a, it was a huge, um, a huge ordeal. And we get, we got to the top, and I, I selfishly want to take credit for a meme that's come out because uh, this is the first time we called in A10s. I'd never seen an A10 before. Yeah, but that's obviously that flying gun, and it came over us. We called the men up and covered them. Down. You know, we saw it shoot, heard it shoot, heard it explode. Watched the guys get ripped to pieces. And, that's when that meme came up. Um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, except an A-10, and they tell fucking kill you. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Hey, man, one other thing I'm thinking about, just because, you know, I was in country at the time and had a dramatic effect on me, is uh, the August 6, 2011 uh, yeah. plane crash. Yeah, uh, Extortion 17, yeah. Yeah, uh, went down in Wardak, which is very close to where I was. I remember being on QRF that night and hearing the radio calls. Um those were some of your guys too. Um, you have any special memories of guys who were who were on that chalk? Yeah, um, one guy. I knew, but one guy was uh, Robert J. Reeves. Okay. And uh, I went through uh, selection with him to Seal Team Six, and I'm Robert. You know, he's Robert J. Reeves. And after the Bin Laden raid, I went over to his house, and um, you know, like a month after, two months after, and we sat down, and I don't know why I said no because I like to drink, but he offered me a glass of wine, and I said, no, I'm glad I'm not drinking tonight. He poured himself a glass of wine, and he sat there, and he just kind of shook his head and said, you know, one of these days, a lot of us are going to die on one of those helicopters. And then uh, two weeks later, he died, and then I, you know, my regret is I didn't have a drink with him. Jesus, man. 
it's such a it's a tough business, man. It really, yeah, it is. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, but they're out. You know, the men and women are out there now. They're defending all of us now. And I'm just a guy that I'm, I'm just a guy that knows this going. <laughs> I know. I don't you. Uh, I, I get this feeling often, uh, even on my level as a conventional guy. Is now that I'm not doing it, I almost feel guilty because I'm still able-bodied. I feel fine. I'm in great shape, and I feel I feel a little guilty. Well, you, I mean, you, you realize that conventional guys had a harder job than we did, and a more dangerous job. Because we were, I can personally. Well, no, we were, we, we were able to, we were able to fight on our on our terms. We were able to fight at night, sneak up on guys and uh, sneak them, and just arrest them. You guys are doing the real shit, walking through minefields. Don't think for a second that I'm not impressed. Anything else? Um, I had a couple questions. You were talking about the uh, when you guys train on jujitsu. Yeah. Do you? Uh, you think you guys were a little more competitive with that? Because I'm sure all the natures with like everybody being in that like elite force that you guys are in, kind of like that alpha male like competitiveness. Well, yeah. That, well, that's what made, that's what made it suck because it, it's, and that's part of the reason I don't don't do it as much as it, it, it seemed like everybody turned into what we called uh, professional blue belts, where <laughs> they're just gonna fucking hurt, they're just gonna hurt each other because yeah, they're so competitive. As opposed to you know purple brown, where like. Chill out, slow down, don't break my thumb off just because you're anxious. <laughs> right, because you just learned a new move and you want to try it out, so they try and rip your arm off. <laughs> no, that's it, because they don't want to, they want to be there and you don't want to hurt. Yeah, it's funny. It's a, but then there's, there's guys like John, like obviously one of the, well, he had one of the best quotes I've ever heard when someone tweeted at him, uh, you know, why do you train so hard? You can run through walls and you can beat up 99% of the people. And his, his response was, uh, the other one percent and thicker walls. <laughs> <laughs> That's that awesome. was actually my other question too. Was um, do you think that after you got out in your retirement, uh, do you still train hard, or do you uh, did you kind of like taper off a little bit? I mean, I'm sure you still. Train I, don't, hard. I don't. I don't train MMA anymore, really. I, I like to get back into it once it slows down. But I, you know, I realize in combat that if you know, if I if I need to try to put someone in armbar, I'm just gonna shoot him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think it means like, do you still like keep a phys- physical regimen, yeah. Robert? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My wife and I train quite a bit as far as uh, physical stuff and you know uh, uh, kettlebells, um, a little bit of CrossFit type stuff, a lot of running and, and just uh, tra- yeah, we stay active. It's kind of one of those things where you get that bug, you kind of can't really get rid of it, right? Like you did it for so long. Oh yeah, well, I, I have to too because my wife's younger and way hotter than I deserve. So I need to stay in shape. Hey, I, I, listen, man, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm glad you did. Hey, is your wife a New Englander, man? Yeah, she's from uh, Hingham, Mass. Oh, all right. She's from the same. Um, I'm from the you know ten minutes from her. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I can hear the accent. She's uh, yeah. she was born in an era where she doesn't know sports pain. You know, she yeah. got the Red Sox, the Celtics, the yeah. the the, the, uh, the Bruins. And it was actually funny. I was talking to her father. I'm a Redskins fan, so I know. I trust me. I, I've done a combat, but I know pain because I'm a I'm a Redskins. Fan. And it was so funny. I was talking to her dad the other day, and, and it was like before they played. So he's like, "Yeah, this is crazy. Here we haven't even won the division yet." So I'm like, know. "Yet." You guys win the division every fucking year. I don't want to hear it. We, yeah, yeah, right. It's crazy, man. We're eleven and five, or almost about to be eleven and five, and the whole world is shattering. The dynasty's over. Oh, I know. Is that correct? No, they'll win the Super Bowl this year. It's all good. It'll it's be fine. Good, Brady, Brady, Brady's got aura, and he has sold the soul of the devil. There's no way anyone can have that charm for the life. I love that guy. It's anybody, crazy, yeah, it's crazy. Anybody who's like incredible at anything, like I'm interested in them. And Brady's a special <laughs> subject, man. He's a special. Oh subject. my god! It's like, what, what, what hasn't he done? It's amazing. And at least, at least he's not ridiculous. Robert, um, listen, man, um, I appreciate, you know, listen, you're one of my favorite follows on Twitter, you know, as I messaged you and said, hey, listen, you know, 
I've been wanting. No, I'm glad we connected, man. We can do it again too. I can. I'm free to talk anything. Dude, um, it's so much cooler when uh, dudes who are heroes are as cool as you think they're going to be. So uh, I truly appreciate it. That's it for me, man. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Let's do it again sometime. Thanks, man. I really appreciate all the uh, cool. conversations.